Welcome to the Pursuit Table Talk Podcast with Pastor Russell Johnson. On today's episode, we have here with us a special guest, Dr. Michael Maiden. Dr. Maiden is a senior pastor of a church for the nations in Phoenix, Arizona, and has earned both a master's and a doctoral degree in Christian psychology. This episode is part one, Revival, Hope, and Fathering the Next Generation. Let's listen in. I trust leaders that walk with a limp. And uh, as you've grown in your in your prophetic ministry and your prophetic gift, and and I think you kind of keyed in on it earlier. How important how important do you see in this hour um, the role of the prophetic ministry in in the the big broad sea church? Yeah, I, I think that the gifts of the spirit, just in general. So the Bible talks about nine through the spirit: love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, patience, self control. I pray for those every day. I was in the shower today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, fill me with love. And I was praying for that. And I pray for the the gifts of the spirit every day: prophecy, mm. diverse tongues, interpretation of tongues, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, serving the spirits, gifts of healing, a supernatural faith, working of miracles. I pray for those nine gifts every day. So, so I think for a long time, the church, even I think there's been a a, a kind of a, an established moderate position for the gifts taken by both the classical Pentecostal denominations in this country, and then by evangelicals who don't want to say, oh, speaking in tongues is okay, but who, sure. not everybody needs it. Yeah, sure. So there's kind of, but now we're in a time where we need the gifts of the Spirit to survive. Right, yeah. You need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the, yeah, yeah you yeah. need. Because the devil's exactly. unleashed everything he has, and if we're only operating in 20% or 40% of, mm. of the capacity that's already here, available to us, our inheritance, mm. the kingdom of God's great blessings and grace, if we're not fully living um, under the empowering uh, presence of those fruit and gifts, of those virtues and powers, then, then we're limiting the, what our lives can be. So I, I, I think that, that you know, the Holy Spirit, want, just everybody gets to prophesy. Mm, right. Yeah. It's for every believer. Everybody gets to hear. Jesus said, my sheep hear, recognize, know, discern my voice. They won't right. follow another voice. Right. The Bible says all may prophesy one by one, pursue love, and then covet the gift of prophecy, right. 1 Corinthians 14 says. So that's what, that's what I did as a young man. I coveted. I, I, Lord, I want to hear your voice. And I was reading in John when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit coming, and he said, one of the things he would do, he would show you things to come. Mm. And I thought, I, I'm not being shown things to come. <laughs> and, I, and I just parked there for like a month and prayed and meditated on that yeah, sentence. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And one day I was, cleaning, I was cleaning this carpet in this big mansion in Anaheim, uh, California, um, as a bivocational pastor. And, and God started speaking to me about the guy. I was just 21 years old, speaking about the owner. And I waited till he paid me my check for doing the job. And then I, I said, <laughs> good idea. <laughs> can, can I share something with you? So he was a wealthy Jewish, non-practicing Jewish person, a secular Jew. And I gave him a word of knowledge and, and three or four things that he was radically born again. Wow. And Incredible. so I've seen so many things happen through prophetic words, mm. words of knowledge and the gifts of the spirit over the years. I can't imagine uh, living my life without it. Mm. And um, one time, this is a great parenting story. My son, Timothy, just the best boy ever and um, never gave us any trouble. But when he was 14, one day in high school, he said, hey, I'm, it's all right if I spend the night at my friend's house. And I said, of course, because he's just a great kid. 
And so he's gone about an hour, and the Lord uh, said to me, your son lied to you. He's gone to see a movie. He was 15, a movie with a girl. We didn't let him date till they were, they were like, I, I, I would have waited to 25, but my wife sure. said 16. <laughs> um, and so in our big city of 5 million people, God showed me the theater they went to, the movie oh they chose. Oh, and so I said, I said, honey, get dressed. We're going to the movie. Oh, boy. So Mary and I go to the movies. We go to that theater. So funny. And That's there's incredible. two seats right behind my son and his little girl. His little girl. Oh, no. So I just sneak in. Oh, movie just goodness. started. And I sit down there. And I tapped my son on the shoulders. Hey, I can't wait to watch this movie with you guys. Oh, and so I thought he was going to have a heart attack there. Yeah, so that was the one and only time my son ever. the prophet. Yeah, yeah. that's what yeah. I was going to say. But, but now there's so much. The devil's waging mm, war against our right. kids. Yeah. We need to give us the spirit to so protect much more. our children yes. wow. for the wrong people, the wrong yeah. everything. That's so good. And, um, you, you know, I was praying a couple years ago, Michael, and... Um, the Lord gave me this this vision. It startled me, um, and it, uh, the, in the vision, I was standing in a warehouse in heaven. Of course, there there aren't warehouses in heaven. It's sure. all a metaphor. But I'm standing in the aisle of a warehouse, and the aisle went down forever. And on both sides, the shelves were very very high. Suddenly, I'm next to a shelf, the drawers pulled out, and it's it's all mail, handwritten letters. Mm. So I'm looking at that in, in this vision. Oh, what's going on? And this one sentence, here's what God said, Michael, these are all the undelivered love letters I've written for mankind. Please help me deliver them with the rest wow. of your life. Wow. And I knew wow. in that warehouse, God wow. had penned something wow. for every person incredible. that's alive. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. And God, like Pastor said, when people don't get a God encounter, they're robbed of an invitation mm-hmm. to an intimate relationship with right, God. Right, 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 right. So when we only tell them about God and never show them God, mm-hmm. it's only half the gospel. So the right. gospel is not in word, but in power, yeah. Yeah. the gospel of the wow. kingdom. And so the the, the, the the working of prophecy is that God will, if anybody that's listening or watching this podcast wants to get the prophecy, you can have it. Right. Just ask God for it, contend for it, believe for it every day. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for using me to, to and and then just follow the impulse. And so I take high risk. Mm. So I'm not afraid. If I make a mistake, I'll apologize to the person. Right, right. And I'm not. I don't believe I. I'm always right. I'm. I'm not. But I'm not afraid of that. Right, right. And so, but I'm. It's worth taking the chance. And so, at our church, we give people the opportunity to make mistakes. Mm, and yeah. grow in their prophetic yeah. gifts because the, prophecy is like the only thing where people aren't allowed to, to get better at. Right. You're right, supposed to start, right, right. start perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. hey, you're a false, but yeah, every wow. preacher started off, you know, really less point. than we are now. Sure. Right, and sure. we've grown. The same thing with prophecy. So, but the, the exciting thing about it is this, the, 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 the working, the prophetic ministry has never been more important. Because God wants to pre- protect the church from the activity of the enemy, but God wants to empower the church for their destiny. Right, and right. So both of those things are working in concert it. Yeah. It, with with prophetic gifts and prophetic encouragement and and everything um, that that God that God right. has for us. Yeah. Well, and I think that there's some folks who who kind of walk around as the self-anointed critics. Yeah. of everybody else's giftedness. Mm. And it's so interesting to me uh, with, the, with the topic and the concept of prophecy. You know, if uh, you were leading worship on a Sunday and you were to play a wrong note, 
nobody would accuse you of being a false worshiper. False musician. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but if you ever get anything wrong right. in public edification, then all of a sudden you're a false prophet. Right. And it reminds me of something Beethoven said. He said, to play a wrong note is unavoidable, but to play without passion is inexcusable. Mm. And I think what God responds to is people who are in passionate pursuit of who he is. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's just invi- earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. It's like there's this open invitation from heaven to function as a communicator on God's behalf. And people are dying every day without hope. Yeah. Mm. They're just dying every day without hope. The last 18 months has been an exercise in corporate collective trauma. Folks are walking around with so much mental health trauma, emotional trauma, physical trauma from what this last season has brought. And if there's ever been a time for the church to find its prophetic, hopeful message, it's now. And what I found is that a lot of people are one encouragement away from success or one discouragement away from failure. So good. And I I want our churches to be places where people come in and they're not pastored to death. They're prophesied to life. So good. They don't just have somebody who says, well, I'm going to hold your hand. And yeah, you're right. Life is probably going to get worse. And we'll just kind of hunker down and stay (laughs) here. till you know, we don't want to be a spiritual rest home or a spiritual museum that just has relics built to past moves of God, but instead a laboratory of ingenuity and entrepreneurship and excitement where everybody has something to add. We all have a part to play, but at the end of the day, we're focused on what Christ is doing. And, And I think that is such a unique opportunity for charismatic churches in this hour is that that God has given us an opportunity and an invitation to be messengers of hope. And what people are looking for is somebody to combat all of the negative news, the fake news, the false news, the messaging of our culture that says your worst days are ahead. Your life is over. Be scared of everything. We got so many folks who are scared of living, or excuse me, we have so many folks who are scared of dying that they forgot to live. Yeah. Right. And so as culture has been shut down, as folks have been quarantined and alone, you know, it's so interesting out of, out of all of the created order, there's only one thing that God says isn't good. Be alone. For man to be alone. Because yeah. you're not good when you're alone. Right. You're not good when you believe everything you think. You're not good when you're in an echo chamber and the only voice you hear is yours. Yours, You're not good when you allow unchecked anxiety to ruin your life where you believe in every, you know, false conspiracy theory and every false terror. And and also, and pretty soon you've built such a construct in your mind. You are so bound. We got people in even believers bound in bondage to fear, to, 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 to tear. And scripture says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but instead of fear, three things to combat it, power, love, and a sound mind. And that word sound mind in the Greek, it literally means this, the ability to think safe thoughts, yeah, safe thoughts, mm-hmm. the ability to think safely about the days that are ahead. Yeah, wow. And so for me, that's what gives me great hope and great courage for what lays ahead is that God has actually given us the tools for the church to shine. This is an hour for the church to shine. Right. This is an hour for us to be a city set on a yeah. hill for all men to see. This is our greatest opportunity. And if we miss this opportunity for a revival and awakening, it's not God's fault. It's ours. Mm-hmm. So, so this is the greatest invitation yeah. we've ever had. Yeah, yeah, oh man, so he's preaching. He's preaching. Hey, hey, I'm preaching. You know, hope is hope is so important. I, I went through 25 years ago a serious, life-threatening uh, clinical depression. Wow! And so when I did the forensic of what I was going through, I realized the number one causation was I lost hope. Wow! 
And so when I stopped dreaming, I started dying. Wow, wow, wow. Mm. When hope walked out, depression walked in. And, mm. and, and the, the, you know, the Bible is the greatest book on psychology ever written. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes your heart, heart sick. sick. Yeah. But when desire comes or, or a hopeful vision, mm. it's a tree of life. Wow. So God made our hearts, our souls to need oxygen like our like our, to need hope, like our lungs need oxygen. So hope is the oxygen of the human soul. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if yeah, they're saved or not saved. When people don't have it, they right. suffocate, they become right. unhealthy, and they become polluted, and it will affect them, you know, spirit, soul, and body, every part of them. So one of the great things about the kingdom of God, now abide in faith, hope, and love, mm-hmm. And so may the God of all hope fill you, yes, flood you yes. with hope until you yes. abound in the Greek superabound with hope. Yes. Hope is such an efficient and attractive witness mm. to people that don't have it. So hope, you know, a simple definition yeah, of the so word uh, of elpis in the Greek is mm. a joyful expectation of good for the future. So mm. hope always brings joy because it has a, a expectation of good yes, coming. Good. Uh-huh. So when uh-huh. people lose that, and so when the church when the church loses hope, our theology isn't powerful enough to transform culture wow. when we're not carrying the kingdom of God's virtues of hope. Wow. So when we are the most hopeful person, yeah. we we will attract influence. People want to know, yeah. hey, can I have a comeback? Can can life get better? Can my life change? Can my family be healed? Can my right. you know? And and when and and when pe- when someone has a hopeful answer, especially when it's anointed or biblical and spirit empowered, it's so powerful so you know your heart's healthy when it dreams again yes okay so god made our hearts our who we are as a person he made us to be dream machines yeah and so if we're not dreaming that that is the holy spirit touching our imaginative qualities and creating a picture of the future god has for us when we're not dreaming yeah. with god something's broken in the gears yes. of our machine mm. so every heart so the kingdom of god so the the church should be the most hope-filled yes but also the most future futuristic people on the planet because we're dreaming with god about the future now the, now because now we're seeing the dreams of darkness the dreams of humanism the dreams right. of nihilism dreams of all all these things are having consequence they're, they're showing us their dreams of misery and and just uh, you know of confusion and just suffering that's what they see and so if that's not you know counteracted if that's not fought against um the the the, the church begins to dwindle uh, it's like losing your your seat at the table mm. of culture because right. we're not contributing something about the future so the church has to reclaim that and as believers god wants every believer yes. To be governed by the presence of a constant hope, which which tells me the best is yet to yes, come, right. and we have to believe that even when things aren't going good. Yes, yeah. I'm reminded of what I think it was Paul said in Romans. He said talking about Abraham against hope, he believed yeah. in hope. Yeah, yeah, right. And 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 that story where God says, "Come out of your tent and count the stars if you yeah. can." This is going to be your inheritance, right. Yeah. right? And so I think that power of vision, like you said, when. When we lose that vision, all of a sudden, that we we begin to dwindle, mm. and so um, I, if you could speak to maybe the power of vision in in regards to church leadership, and how how have you found the not just maybe the um, 
the personal prophetic, but the overarching kind of prophetic plan, vision, witness for God as you've led your church? How has that helped you develop leaders? How is that, uh, if you could speak into that, the, just the idea of vision in the midst of church leadership? Yeah, that's, that's a great question, Michael. You know, I, I call the sanctuary where we meet at on our main campus the dream room. Because mm-hmm. I watch where hearts come alive. Yeah. Wow. And, and it's like people start getting a vision for their life, for so what God has for their life. And so that's so important because vision is everything. Mm-hmm. Right. So we, there, there, is, there is nothing more important than what Pastor Russell and I do than casting vision and developing vision. Mm-hmm. So helping people have a vision for their life, for their family, their future, their finance, their ministry, their marriage, every part of it, mm-hmm. that God wants to give us a, a hopeful forecast that we can align our path to right. in those areas. So, so the Holy Spirit's poured out, and Pastor Russell referred to it earlier in Acts 2, and so as Peter's trying to explain this phenomena, I mean, they're all speaking foreign languages, <laughs> yeah, right. and they're, they're accused of being drunk, and Peter says, hey, man, it's only 9 a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the bar's not even open yeah. yet. Wait, what's going on here? <laughs> and uh, he said, but this is, this is what Joel prophesied, the last days, mm-hmm. I'll pour up my spirit upon all flesh. Your, your young men yeah. will mm-hmm. see vision. Mm-hmm. Your old men will dream dreams. Yeah, your yeah. sons and daughters will prophesy. Beautiful. And so he, he put these three things all to the common purpose, visions, dreams, and prophecy. Mm. What do they do? They show us God's purpose for our life, right? which is the center core of, of what makes life significant and powerful. That God, there's a thread of prophetic uh, uh, involvement that everything God ever talks about us will have the thread of his purpose for our lives in it. Mm. So when, that will include vision and dream. So it's not just spiritual visions like the one I shared about being, you know, of, sure. of love letters in heaven, but having a a insightful, yes. hopeful forecast for my life, being a person of vision. So when people lose that, so in this, like what Pastor Russell said, people are just surviving now. Mm. So everyone's on, you know, people are on survival mode. We've never seen a mental health numbers as unhealthy as now right so with the spike of who's battling depression or high anxiety or other forms of mental infirmities is so high right now we've never seen it so all that's happening but so much of it is because people can't see their future they can't imagine something um that's going to happen when the angel appeared to zechariah in these like eight angelic moments and in chapter four, he said, the angel appeared to me and woke me up from a sleep. He said, I was like a man asleep. He wasn't asleep naturally. He was asleep spiritually. Hmm. He was living, but not dreaming. He was wow. living, but not seeing prophetically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the angel woke me up and said, what do you see? Hmm. And he showed him another world. And, and so we have to ask ourselves, what are we seeing? Right. What do you see? Are, are we seeing what God is trying to show us? Or are we seeing what the world is showing us? Mm-hmm. Are we seeing God's plan for our life? Or are we seeing, you know, the hopelessness mm-hmm. of things? Are right, we right, right, seeing right. What, what God can do? Or are we seeing what the devil has done? And so, the, you know, vision is really everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I think there's a danger 
when memories become more powerful than dreams, people begin to die. Mm. So good. When you're, and, and I think sometimes we're, we're given to this, even as we study revival history, mm-hmm. the folks look back at the Azusa outpouring yeah. or the Toronto outpouring right, or the Brownsville right. outpouring, or even right. more contemporary ones like Bethel and other places like that. And it's like, we tell ourselves those stories in order to build the courage to believe to that believe. what God right. will do next is even better. Like he saved the best for last, which is, which is, you know, the, 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 the crowning statement of his first miracle at the wedding of Cana. Usually right. you bring out the best at first, but yeah, you've yeah. saved the best for yeah. last. That the glory of the latter is in fact greater than the glory of the former. And I think there is a way to honor the heroes who have gone before us. But mm-hmm. the greatest way that we honor the heroes of the faith is by running further than them. Amen. That's how we honor them. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it's like we can't afford to live life looking in the review mirror. There's a reason the windshield is bigger than the review mirror. Right. Yeah. Because what we're headed towards is more important than what we're coming so from. Yeah. And so I want to use the memories of all the past moves of God without allowing the subtle poison of nostalgia to put my dreams to sleep. Yeah. You know, because sometimes it's like the, it's like, well, you know, the good old days, you know, in the past, yeah. you know, in the, in the charismatic renewal and, yeah. you know, in the real outpourings and in, in, in the vineyard days, right. and, you know, we're, I think we're <laughs> yeah, so yeah, given yeah, to yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. over glamorizing. Here's the reality. The good old days weren't as good as we think they were. <laughs> they were filled with a lot of trouble and yeah. turmoil and conflict and problems and disagreements. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so I'm trying read to like, Corinthians. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, read the early like, church history. Whoa. And so I'm just trying to remind myself. <laughs> myself uh, in in the same in the same way that we have an honor and a reverence for what God has done we have to have a belief and hope for what he is continuing to do in our midst because we're having an outpouring of our own yeah. we're going to have a story of our own right. and one day our children or our children's children are going to look back on the videos and the clips and yeah. the pictures yeah. of what like God did, did in the northwest right. yeah. and what I want them to do is not go man could we ever measure up to what God did right. at pursuit no I want them to say your ceiling has become my floor and your memories are actually now fueling my dreams mm. and, and, and like Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. Yeah. Yeah. We, we press forward. We lay a hold of those yeah. things which Christ has also laid a hold yeah, of of us. So we're, we're pressing yeah. forward yeah. into what God's doing next. Well, and I think too, like that nostalgia, it almost, uh, it, it's easier to, it's easier to lean on that than to contend for something of our own. Yes. Yeah. It's, it, 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 it almost removes the responsibility from us. Yes. Because we can go, well, you know, God did it before and that was great. Wasn't that great? Oh, yeah, right, it was right, really right. awesome. And it's like, well, no, what's wh- what are we living for now? Right. What's, what's now? What's next? What's so available? Good. Right. And I think, too, like what, you know, I, I, I've been challenged recently is that some of the things I was sharing with a, a friend of mine, we were talking about just unusual encounters and just the different things, the moves of the Holy Spirit and some of the weird things we've seen and I've been able to be a part of. And and uh, he goes, well, what would that take to be able to happen again? And I thought, have I let off the gas of the responsibility and the mandate to continue to steward yeah. the moving of Holy Spirit Good. in my life and in my ministry because I said, well, that was just that that weird, unusual season when all that weird stuff was going on. But actually, no, there was a there that was an opportunity for me to see what was available. Sure. And yeah. maybe that's what I maybe that's what God has allowed us to see. Like 
these little down payments are just the down payments. Yeah. What we yeah, saw yeah. in Toronto, what we saw in Florida, what we saw, you know, what you guys are seeing, what we're seeing now, like this is just the beginning. We're just getting the drops of the outpouring that's right. happening. So the book of Haggai, they, they, they finally really through miraculous and pr prophetic words, they're rebuilding the temple mm. and the foundations laid and Haggai describes it. He said, a sound arose and all the young men shouted for joy, a great shout. Wow. It's, it's the, the Turua, this, this destiny shot. Yeah. <laughs> it's the it's foundations. And all the old men, they, they would be really old, they wept mm. for sorrow because they recognized even the footprint wouldn't be as good as Solomon's temple. So they were, wow. they were comparing what God was doing to what God had done. Interesting. And they, they, couldn't, they couldn't enter into joy because they were so yoked to the past. But even even though Solomon's temple was architecturally a masterpiece, it became a place of idolatry, mm. and it never fulfilled its promise as this glorious temple. Solomon polluted it, and so this new temple was going to be better, but they couldn't get it. And so it's just a, a trait of all of us that you know people will talk about the good old days and and uh, in in their own own lives. But but that's always there's always a trap. There's no power in our past when we live in the past we're dead to the future yeah mm. and it's so important in every way like like pastor said to forgetting those things that are behind us um, the good and the bad mm. and to press forward because we don't want to you know comparison is the is the thief of joy i don't i don't want to compare what god's doing this week at this amazing church to any other experience i've ever had mm. it's just fun it's unique it's distinct it's beautiful i'm i'm enjoying it and that's that's the way we want to live our lives, right. and great. not not ruin a day because we're contrasting it to another wow, day, or ruin really what God's doing now because we're comparing it. I think I think when we study revivals, and we should be aware of them. And that the psalmist said, well, you know, "I've I've heard with my ears the things you've done. Mm. How come you haven't done it in my lifetime?" So it created inside of him yes. a, a a hunger, yeah. a desperation. Mm -hmm. God, do it again. Right. <laughs> that should be our prayer. Yes. Instead of the, the other things that we either over exalting it or or even diminishing it as something that's not going to happen again. It it should be a part of uh, a, a personal appetite. That we say, man, I I want God to do that in me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I want God to do that in this generation. Why not now? Why not us? Why not here? Mm -hmm. Um, um, what, yeah. doing everything He's ever promised to do. Yeah. And it's interesting, even like the reformers, like everyone that came after they wanted to kill that guy too. And so yeah. it was like every time God was doing something new or fresh in the earth, the guys that were the guys at the time were yeah. looking down, were trying to, I mean, essentially kill them. Yeah. And so what, what do you, what do you, what do you say to leaders that maybe are in, you know, second half of life, you know, um, how, if you could encourage pastors and leaders that maybe have walked through the renewal and are now on the tail end of that to encourage us young guys that are really finding, you know, our strength and finding our sound, our shout, you know, could you speak into that, that idea of, you know, I, you know, I don't, I, I use this term lightly, but fathering, you know, in the faith and fathering in some of these movements. Um, could you speak into that a little bit, what you've seen work, what you've seen not work, yeah, uh, the the generations that I grew up serving, um, great leaders. I mean, in God's, I had the honor, the humbling honor, of being around some, and being a part of some 
tremendous generals in the faith that have mm-hmm. eternal standing with God, but almost, um, almost without exception, every one of those leaders acted like they were going to live forever and had no legacy plan. Right. Interesting. <laughs> and they, there, there was no interest, you know, and they wanted to set a great example and they're yeah. in their eighties still just yeah. 100% right, right, right. going for it. And so, and so when they died, there was almost like a shock. And then there was a tremendous diminishing yeah. because mm. they hadn't raised up sons and daughters. Right. And a vacuum was created. A vacuum was created because who can be Moses? Who can be that person? Right. So there was, it wasn't a part of their, they didn't feel an obligation or, or a passion to, to replicate themselves that way. They felt a destiny achieving breakthrough mandate so they're all pressing into things right and so but when you think of the long term that's a bad strategy Mm. yes because no one lives forever um at least on the planet so we we have to think in legacy terms so in life we learn to do things we do things and then we should help others learn to do things and if we don't kind of graduate into the fathering and mothering aspect into the helping the next generations then we've, we've, we've failed at a third of our, our process or mission because mm-hmm. that's so important to God. And so, um, you know, I have found um, the, the book of Malachi closes with this amazing prophetic word. Um, I will turn the hearts of fathers back to their children. Mm-hmm. Right. The hearts of children back to their fathers. Lest smite the earth with a curse mm-hmm. the curse of what fatherlessness well hello welcome to this is what, yeah <laughs> the west so yeah. we we have so many ama- amazing leaders that that aren't being celebrated in their cities aren't aren't being honored aren't being uh, stood with by another generation is such a fault mm-hmm. so i'm i'm it's in my heart i've given my life and I feel my greatest calling, I felt it for 10 years, is to equip the generations behind me. Yeah, so good. And that, that anything else, I'm glad God allows me to do some stuff, but that is the number one thing. And in any way, serve and help and support and encourage and impart, impact, whatever I can do, because that's the way we multiply in the kingdom. And I think that that's beginning to happen. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that God's creating a more, you know, we would call it apostolic in, in, in a ecclesiastical terms, but really it's just a fathering. It's, it's a family heart. Mm. And that's what we want to have in the kingdom so that nobody feels like, it's, it's almost like when I was in the ministry starting, um, your guys' age a little bit younger, uh, starting pastoring and stuff, it was like the, the church fathers of my city uh, didn't stand with me. So I met with the two largest charismatic guys and I said, Hey, I'm a, I'm a new guy. I'm starting a church out here. And, uh, I, and I'm so excited. I can barely, I'm, yeah, you know, yeah, with these yeah, mega yeah, church yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, man, I, I, I shared my vision. <laughs> so both of them politely listened. And so the first guy said, well, Michael, I give you six months. I said, six months for what, sir? Oh, yeah. yeah. He said, you're a mega church. Yeah. Six months until you fail, pack your bags and leave town. Oh, nice meeting you. Goodbye. So I sat in the parking lot. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't drive for like half an hour because I was like shaking. I go, man. And I, I, it just crumbled me. So here's a spiritual father cursing me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So wow. I thought, well, it's, it's, okay, I'm going to be okay. I'm meeting with the next guy next week. He's, it's going to be okay. So I'll go to meet the next guy. 
this, so I tell him, God gave me this vision. And yeah. he said, well, Michael, I gave you 10 months. Oh. For what, sir? Until you fail, pack your bags and leave town. And so when I sat in that guy's parking lot, I wasn't wow. broken heart. I was just angry. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, these guys are jerks. Yeah. <laughs> if people knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm 27. And, oh, oh, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so it was just like the Lord came into my car. Mm. Sat down next to me and he said, Michael, <clears throat> someday you'll be the older man that young leaders come to see. Wow. And if you don't let me deal with all the pain and all the trauma that you go through between now and then, oh, by the time you finally have an audience and a platform to help people, you'll only hurt them instead of helping them because you're hurting. Oof. So God made it all about me and not about the, the, the jerks. Wow. I, I, I wrote a book and I, one of the chapters was, you know, uh, grumpy old men. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's, that's the truth. So what happens in life, mm. it's not that an older generation doesn't want to help the younger generation. It's that an older generation does not process their journey yeah, and so let good. God heal their pain has, has no emotional bandwidth to give anybody. Mm. So, so we need to see a bunch yeah, of healthy, it. older leaders yeah. that are happy, that celebrate the success of others, yeah. that aren't souls, that don't want to murder the next generation, but want to encourage and yeah, lift them up. Yeah, yeah. We want to we exhibit that. So a few of my friends, like Bill Johnson is a great example of that. I'm trying to be the, the happy old guy, yeah. encouraging everybody, <laughs> yeah. because um, it's it's unfair. It's unfair mm. to, to, not, to not father a generation and then criticize them for failing. It's it's almost like you wanted that. Yeah. So if you don't support them, it's because you feel better about your own failures when you see someone else fail. Wow. Man, there 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 was so much stuff we have to get out of us. Yeah. We have to we have to we have to be each other's best cheerleaders, and really stand with each other in faith. So the kingdom of God. So so the ministry is a very emotionally difficult assignment. And we have to get really good at self-healing, letting God work healing in us, mm. okay? Take heed to yourself. It's the, mm. the charge right. of Paul to Timothy several times. Take, pay attention to yourself. And so we want, to, we want to be healthy. And so to do that, we have to process things. We have to let God deal with things. We have to forgive people that hurt us. We have to reveal things so God can heal things. We have to get mm. accountability. We have to be... Uh, as integrous as we can possibly be. So we can do things that not only help us survive the ministry, but help us to thrive in it. Mm. Yeah, that's good. And so Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn. He, he, and we, we've made such a spiritual exercise about that. But he didn't explain why, why we would mourn. He said, blessed are they that mourn. They shall be comforted. Mm. And so in the kingdom of God, there's no brokenness in me. He can't heal, no matter how it came. Right. No matter if it was my mistake or someone's abuse. Mm. If I'm mourning, he said, I got a comfort for that. Yeah, that's and good. Paul said, the God of all comfort will yeah. comfort us in all of our trouble. Oh, and by the way, so that we'll be able to comfort people in the future mm. with the same comfort that yeah. we received in this moment of crisis. Yeah, super good. That's what ministry ends up being. All these God encounters that kind of sure. build up into a resume of grace that we can pour into people's lives. And um, so God, he does think what the enemy meant for evil. He turns it for yes. good yes. If, if we let him. That's so good. That's hey, so well, thanks for joining us, oh. Dr. May. We're looking forward to tonight. Appreciate your wisdom uh, on this podcast and look forward to having you again soon. Thank you, Pastor Russell.
Thanks for listening to the Pursuit Table Talk podcast with Pastor Russell Johnson. Part two of this episode is out now. Make sure to connect with us by following us on social media at The Pursuit NW on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. And make sure to check us out online at thepursuitnw.com.